0: is, does God hear a sinner's prayer? So so somebody decided they wanted me to speak on that particular subject. And I suppose, had I been able to select any subject on that list, that might be the one that I would select. Acts 10, 30 and 31 tells us that an angel appeared to Cornelius and said to him, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Notice that statement, thy prayer is heard. Now that was before Cornelius ever knew anything about Jesus Christ, before he ever heard the gospel of Christ, and so it was before he ever became a Christian. The angel said, thy prayer is heard. On the other hand, in John 9 and 31, the Bible says, we know that God heareth not sinners, But if any man be a worshiper of him, and doeth his will, him he heareth. God heard the prayer of Cornelius, but God does not hear the prayer of sinners. Now then, sometimes the argument is made that since God does not hear a sinner's prayer, Cornelius was saved before he ever obeyed the gospel. Well, I think not. We would not argue that a person can be saved before he ever believes in Christ, would we? Or before he ever hears about Jesus Christ. And that was before Cornelius ever heard about Jesus Christ. The truth about the matter is, words don't always mean the same thing. We use words to mean more than one thing. Let me give you an example. In James 1 and 13, your Bible says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. James 1.13. But Genesis 22 and 1 says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Notice, one verse says, God does not tempt any man. One verse says, God did tempt Abraham. What's the explanation? Well, the word tempt has more than one meaning. Sometimes it means to solicit to do evil. That's what it means in James 1.13. God never does try to get anybody to do evil. He never, never does solicit one to do evil. But the word tempt also means to prove, to test, to try. That's what it means in talking about Abraham. God gave Abraham the opportunity to demonstrate his faith. He put him to the test. He proved him, and Abraham passed the test by offering Isaac his son. So the word "tempt" does not mean the same thing every time you see it. The word works is another word that we're familiar with that does not mean the same thing every time you see it. For example, Ephesians 2 and verse 9 says that your salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. But James 2 and 24 says, You see then how that man is justified by works and not by faith only. Well, is our salvation by works or is our salvation not of works? If you mean the kind of works that James was talking about, then our salvation is by works. If you mean the kind of works that Paul was talking about, then our salvation is not of works. You see, Paul was talking about works of merit, works that enable one to deserve salvation, to go to God and say, you owe it to me to give me salvation. We can't be saved that way. We're not saved by that kind of works. But James was talking about acts of faith, that is, the things that one does because God has told him to do it. That's the works that James was talking about. And if you mean that kind of works, then yes, our salvation is by works. So it is when I read in my Bible where an angel said to Cornelius, Thy prayer is heard. And yet John 9 and 31 says, God heareth not sinners. I'm made to realize that the word hear has more than one meaning. For example, sometimes the word hear simply means to perceive sound. I hear something. I may not know what it is, may not have any idea, but I hear it, I perceive some sound. And sometimes that's what the word hear means. In that sense, God hears the prayer of everybody. In that sense, God hears us if we curse, if we tell lies, if we blaspheme. God is aware of it. He perceives the sound. So that's what the word hear means sometimes. But sometimes the word hear means to listen attentively. To listen attentively. You say to your child, you're talking to your child, and you may feel compelled to say to him, Do you hear what I'm saying? Have you ever done that? What do you mean by that? You don't think the child's deaf? You know that he is hearing, perceiving the sound, but what you mean is, are you paying attention to me? You hear me, that is, you pay attention to me. And then sometimes the word hear means to listen with favor, to listen with favor, O oh Lord, Hear us when we pray. Well, he hears us when we curse, but he doesn't listen with favor. So whenever we ask the Lord to hear us when we pray, we mean listen to us with favor. Uh, It's used that way in Matthew chapter uh, 18 and verse 15 where Jesus is talking about the brother who trespasses against his brother. Go to him and tell him his fault between him and thee alone, and if he will hear thee, What does that mean? That means if he listens favorably, if he does what you're trying to get him to do, if he will hear the. so the word hear has more than one meaning. So when we raise the question, does God hear the sinner's prayer? We need to be sure that we're understanding the word hear in the same way and be sure that we answer the question with the proper application of that word hear. The word sinner also has more than one meaning. I looked up the word sinner in a big thick American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, 20th century American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, and it's defined with three words, the word sinner, one who sins. Now you apply that definition to John 9 and 31, we know that God heareth not one who sins. That means that God wouldn't hear any of our prayers, wouldn't it? Because all have sinned, past tense, and come short, present tense, of the glory of God. Romans 3. Uh, and then uh, Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. So you just apply that one definition of the word, one who sins, and that means None of us can expect God to hear our prayers because all of us sin. But I do not believe that Christians should be called sinners. I sometimes hear my brethren say, We're all sinners. No, we all do sin. But that doesn't make us sinners. As a matter of fact, in Romans 5 and 8, uh, the Apostle Paul said, God commended his love toward us in that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was a time when we were sinners, but we're not sinners anymore. Oh, you you say, but we all sin. Well, let me see if I can illustrate I sometimes drive nails, but does that make me a carpenter? I sometimes replace a faucet washer or an electrical outlet, but that doesn't make me a plumber or an electrician. I sometimes sin, but that doesn't make me a sinner in the sense that John nine thirty one is talking about. We know that God heareth not sinners, but the word sinner the word sinner is also used to refer to God fearing people who have never obeyed the gospel. God fearing people who have never obeyed the gospel. You say, well, now, wait a minute. If people are God fearing, then they become Christians. No, Cornelius was a God fearing man. Acts chapter 10 says there was a certain man at Caesarea called Cornelius, a devout man, one that feared God with all his heart, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He was a God fearing man, but he wasn't a Christian. He didn't even know the truth. He was a sinner, never having received forgiveness of his sins because he never had obeyed the gospel of Christ. He needed to be saved. And when Peter came to him, he spoke to him words whereby he and his house could be saved. So he was a sinner. And yet he was a God-fearing sinner. What about Saul of Tarsus? He lived in all good conscience before God, Acts 23 and verse 1, and yet he had been persecuting the church, living in all good conscience and yet persecuting Christians, a God-fearing sinner. He said, later on after he became a Christian, he said, I thought that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which things also I did. And then he describes how that he was responsible for having some of those Christians put in prison, and even stood by as Stephen was stoned to death. He was a sinner, but a God-fearing sinner, and there are people like that today. People who are God-fearing, they never have learned the truth, never have heard and obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are good people. And if somebody would teach them the truth, they would obey it. That's what Cornelius did. That's what Saul of Tarsus did. Whenever these men learned the truth, they were God-fearing and they obeyed the truth. Now, I'm not talking about people who are devoutly religious people, but who are so wedded to their own man-made religion that they won't listen to the truth, refuse to hear the truth. Those are not God-fearing people who refuse to hear the truth. You see, Cornelius and Saul were God-fearing, and their loyalty was not to some religion. Their loyalty was to God, and they obeyed him when they learned his will. But then sometimes the word sinner is used to refer to wicked sinners. Now that would include people who do not want to do the will of God. They may have a Bible, they may be religious people, but they turn their hearts against the Lord, refuse to do his will. But it might also include people who are immoral and ungodly and indecent, people who live to satisfy and gratify all the lust and the desires of the flesh. They have no interest at all in doing what was right. A young lady called me twice today this afternoon before I left home. Her husband has demanded and obtained a divorce from her. And he's getting ready to marry some other woman. And he says, I know I'm not going to heaven. I don't plan to go to heaven. I plan to go ahead and live like I want to live right here on this earth. Now, there is a wicked sinner. He has no desire to do the will of God, no intention of doing the will of God. Certainly, God's not going to hear the prayer of a man like that. A few miles from where Lois Ann and I live, over in Adamsville, just down the road toward Ensley, Alabama, there is a place that's called Charlie's, and this is uh, they they advertise adult entertainment. It's a nightclub, and a few years ago, on the marquee out in the front of that building, the sign said, "Pray for our troops." in the Gulf War. And I thought, now how appropriate, in front of Charlie's go-go, a sign that says, Pray for our troops." God does not hear the prayers of those who refuse to hear him and who live ungodly and immoral lives. The word sinner may also be used to refer to those that we call backsliders. Those who at one time obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ became Christians. For a time, they served the Lord faithfully. They did his will. And then somehow or another, they drifted back into the beggarly elements of the world. And they need to be restored. Because they are worse off now than they would have been or than they were before they ever became Christians. Peter said, 2 Peter 2, and beginning in verse 20, For it were better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I cannot think of any language used in the Bible that's any more sickening than that language, any more disgusting than that language. Can you? The most disgusting language in the Bible is used to describe the child of God who has turned his back upon God and gone back into the world. God's not going to hear his prayer. He's a sinner. Now, be sure to understand this. If he will repent of his sins, if he will confess those sins, and pray to God for forgiveness of those sins, God will hear his prayer. But as long as he remains in rebellion against the will of God, then God is not going to hear his prayer. Now, I better stop right here and say, when am I supposed to quit? Anybody got any idea? we will ring the bell. All right. Can you tell me about when the bell's going to ring so I'll know how fast to move? Five minutes late and it will ring today. All right. Okay, fine. That'll be good. So, the word sinner is used to refer to Christians. We all do sin. In that sense, we're sinners. It is used to refer to God-fearing people who are not Christians, they're sinners like Cornelius and Saul. It is used to refer to wicked sinners, those who have no desire to do the will of God, including religious people who will not hear the word of God and allow it to govern their lives, govern their religion, and including immoral, ungodly, indecent people. And the word sinner also is used to refer to those who are backsliders. 1 John 1 and 9 says concerning them, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, here is something that we need to understand whenever we raise the question, Does God hear the sinner's prayer? That is this. God heard the prayer of Cornelius in one sense. God heard the prayer of Saul in one sense. But we need to understand that neither Saul nor Cornelius nor any other sinner has ever been saved directly in answer to prayer. That is not God's plan for saving sinners. Oh, I know that the religious world as a whole believes that that's the way that sinners are saved. For example, you have picked up little tracts, little little pamphlets, various places on tables in doctor's offices and and maybe uh, in the restrooms in public places where you go or or various places. You'll pick up a little tract and it'll, it'll have some religious message in it. And then near the end, it says, pray the sinner's prayer, the sinner's prayer. And the prayer goes something like this. Now, I, I copied this down out of one of those tracks, and I, I did that so you would know that I'm not misrepresenting what they say. Here's the prayer that the sinner is to pray. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you shed your blood, died, and arose from the grave for me. I now ask you to forgive my sin and to come into my heart and life as my personal Savior, Give me your gift of life in heaven, of eternal life in heaven. Help me now to live for you. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. These things I pray in your name. Amen. There is not a verse in your Bible that ever suggests that an alien sinner is to pray a prayer like that, or any other prayer for that matter. When I say an alien sinner, I mean one who never has become a Christian. As we pointed out a while ago, the Christian who is a backslider needs to pray for forgiveness when he repents. But the Bible does not teach sinners, that is, alien sinners, to pray that God will forgive them of their sin. The prayer of Cornelius had something to do with the salvation. It made its contribution. It got, got God's attention. And God provided for him to be saved. But Cornelius was not saved directly in answer to his prayer. The prayer that was prayed by Saul was heard. I know it was heard. Because when the angel appeared to Ananias, the angel told Ananias, behold, he prayed. So God and his angels knew that Saul was praying. And on the road, there's a sense in which the Lord answered the prayer of Saul. When Saul said, What wilt thou have me to do, Lord? The Lord said, Go into the city, and there it shall be told thee what thou must do. So there's a sense in which his prayer was answered, but he was not saved directly in answer to prayer he did not pray the sinner's prayer that we hear so much about. Instead, he wanted to know what God wanted him to do in order to be saved, and then he did what he was told to do. Somebody said, what about the publican in Luke 18? You remember Jesus told about the publican and the Pharisee who went up to the temple to pray? And the Pharisee prayed like this, Lord, I thank thee, that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and I thank thee that I'm not like this publican. I fast twice in the week. I pay tithes of all that I possess. You see, he was sort of boasting about himself, bragging on himself. And incidentally, I think he's a good example of the kind of man that Paul was dealing with when he said, our salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. There was some like that, like that Pharisee who thought, I can be good enough to go to heaven. Paul said, no, no, you'll never make it on your goodness. You ask this man about grace, he would say, why do I need grace? Look how good I am. I haven't done anything wrong. Oh no, Paul said you can't be saved by your goodness. The publican, on the other hand, stood afar off, would not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven, and he prayed this prayer, God be merciful to me a sinner. Somebody said, you see there? There's the sinner's prayer. No, no. Remember that both the publican and the Pharisees were both Jews. In covenant relationship with God, that was before the church was ever established, and those two men represent were, were men who were Jews already in covenant relationship with God. Neither one of them would represent the alien sinner today. Now, if if uh, that publican represents anybody in the Christian dispensation, you'd have to compare him to the backslider. He was a uh, one who was already in the kingdom of God. But he was a backslider. His life hadn't been what it ought to be. And so he acknowledged that. And uh, Sister Hall did tonight, confessed that and prayed for forgiveness. But there is not a verse in the Bible anywhere that encourages the alien sinner to pray that he might be forgiven of his sins. Never is encouraged to pray that he might become a Christian. That's just not the way God tells us to become Christians. Well, what does the alien sinner do in order to become a Christian? Does the Bible tell us what sinners are to do in order to become the children of God? Oh, yes. Very clearly. For example, do what Cornelius did. What did Cornelius do? Well, after he had been a devout man, a God-fearing man, and all of that, and a praying man, he learned about Jesus Christ. He came to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He learned that Jesus died and was buried. He learned that Jesus was raised up from the dead. He put his faith and his trust in Jesus And then he obeyed the Lord by repenting, by confessing Christ, and by being baptized so that his sins would be forgiven. Acts 10 and verse 48 says, And he, that's Peter, commanded them, that's Cornelius and his household, to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so Cornelius was baptized. What should an alien sinner do in order to be uh, forgiven of his sins, to become a Christian? Do what Cornelius did, obey the gospel. Do what Saul of Tarsus did. Yes, Saul was a praying man before he learned what to do. He asked the Lord when the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus, What wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said, Go into the city, and there it shall be told thee what thou must do. Notice he was going to be told. He went into the city, and for three days he prayed before he learned what to do. God knew he was praying. Sent Ananias down there, and Ananias said to him, "Why tarriest thou? Arise and do baptize, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord." So the way you call on the name of the Lord, if you're an alien sinner and need forgiveness, the way to call on the name of the Lord is to arise and do baptize and wash away thy sins. And so that's what he did. What does the alien sinner do in order to become a Christian, to be forgiven of his sins? Do what Cornelius did. Do what Saul of Tarsus did. Do what those uh, 3,000 people did on Pentecost Day. They were Jews. Some of them had been responsible for crucifying the Son of God. They were told about Jesus Christ, about his life, about his miracles about his crucifixion and about his resurrection from the dead. And then they were told, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And so they did that, some 3,000 of them, and they were forgiven. Does God save people in answer to prayer? Not directly in answer to prayer. He wouldn't save Cornelius directly in answer to prayer. He wouldn't save Saul directly in answer to prayer. But does he save people in answer to prayer? In a sense, we pray, Lord of harvests, send forth reapers. We sing that, don't we? And in doing so, we pray that. And we sometimes, in our prayers, we pray, Lord, Bless those who are lost. Help them to hear the gospel. Help us to carry the gospel to them so that they might understand it, and believe it, and obey it, and be saved. And so we want God to answer our prayer. But those sinners are not saved directly in answer to their prayer. They have to obey God. They have to hear the gospel and believe it. Just like the people down at Samaria did in Acts 8. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And verse 12 says that they believed and were baptized. They became Christians. They were saved. Not directly in answer to prayer, but by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then. There's the case of Lydia in Acts 16. A good woman, a God-fearing woman, a woman who worshiped God, she prayed, she met even in a foreign city every Sabbath day out by the riverside with some other women, and they worshiped the Lord as best they could. But she had never heard about Christ. She needed to obey the gospel. She was a sinner a God-fearing sinner. She was saved when Paul and his company went out to the riverside and preached the gospel to them. Saved in answer to prayer? No doubt God heard her prayers in the same sense that he heard the prayers of Cornelius, but she was not saved directly in answer to prayer. She was saved by doing what God says for one to do in order to be saved. The only way that anybody, any sinner, is going to be saved, is by obeying the gospel. Does God hear the sinner's prayer? If you mean by that, does God perceive it? Is he impressed by it? Does he know about it? Yes, God knows everything. But if you mean, when you say, does God hear the sinner's prayer, can one who rebels against God Turn and pray to God and expect God to hear him. And the answer is, no, indeed. Here is a 15-year-old boy who walks into where his dad is and he says, Dad, give me $175. I want to buy a new CD player. Can you get one for $175? The dad says, Son, I asked you to mow the lawn. Did you do that? No, sir. I heard your mother tell you to carry out the garbage. Did you do that? No, sir. Do you have any plans to mow the lawn or to carry out the garbage? No, sir. I don't. I don't want to do that. A good father would not give that boy $150, would he? He'd probably give him something, but it wouldn't be money. Proverbs 28 and 9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is abomination. Yes, God hears it, but it's an abomination. If you want God to hear your prayers, Peter tells you what you need to do. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Thank you very much. You've been very attentive.
1: Thank you, Brother Duncan. One of Brother Duncan's points, the first point I think you made in the lesson was to listen attentively. I don't think I did that tonight. Uh, I did not see Patsy as she responded to the invitation, and and I didn't listen attentively as Bobby gave the the instructions to us to sit down. Responding to the invitation uh, is second to nothing. That's the most important decision one will ever make in their life. Uh, And I apologize to Patsy for that interruption uh, on my part there. I uh, spoke too soon, uh, and I apologize to her for that. Uh, the Prime Timers will be meeting on Friday. Uh, is it Prime Timers or Alzheimer's or old? Uh, Prime Timers? Uh, the the Prime Timers will be meeting at Friday on six thirty. This is a vegetable uh, occasion. Uh, looking forward to all the folks who are members of that. A very, a very excellent lesson, Brother Duncan. We thank you so much for coming. Uh, I hope we all realize the importance of that lesson. Uh, that is a, a major issue in the religious world today, and even some of somewhat of an issue even in the church itself. And the things we've heard this evening are very, very important to us. We thank you, thank you so much for that. Are there other announcements that need to be made before we are dismissed, Brother Horace Muncher? Would you lead our